Hello, this is uh, Pam Electric Ghost. Hello. I have Dara. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you. I have Dara Moss on the line. Yeah, it's Dara Moss. Dara Moss. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're going to start the interview. So thank you for being on the show. Interview indie artists from around the world. Uh, we've interviewed artists, musicians, and actors. And so you're primarily a photographer, right? Yeah, yeah. I do music too and a few other things, but uh, I'm uh, mostly doing photography. So I was, I was, um, I'm going to go through some questions, um, but I was looking at your website, so I might ask you about some of the pieces on your website, but I'll, I'll kind of go through. Um, like, when did you first get into photography? What, how did you uh, decide that you wanted to be a photographer? So uh, when I was 15, my mom and me, uh, we moved to France. And at this time, I was not speaking French yet. And uh, I kind of didn't know what, I, what I'm doing. It was a completely different world for me. And uh, so photography became as a like, um, voice of expression for me, as uh, I couldn't speak to people. So uh, it was like... Uh, my way to express my perception of my new reality. So, yeah, I was 15 when I first started. So what kind of camera did you start with? Oh, it's really funny. At this time, I had uh, a Nokia. I don't remember exactly what type, but uh, it had a 2 megapixels camera. Mm -hmm. So I started with that. And I was photographing... Uh, people on metro, like uh, mostly uh, street photography, and like landscapes, uh, architecture. And uh, after that, I got my f first uh, MacBook. So the quality was a little better than the quality on my phone. So I just started to bring my computer everywhere with me, and I was using face camera to photograph. Oh, you using an Apple um, laptop camera to do the photography. Yeah, I believe it's uh, named uh, Facebook or Photoboost or something like that. It was okay. pretty funny. And uh, yeah, after that, I had uh, my first iPhone. So the quality became a little better. And mm -hmm. after that, I finally uh, got hold of a Canon uh, 550D that I still have and that I still use. So you're probably... Um... I don't know how much, uh, so do, do photographers primarily use digital photography now? You, people don't use the old classic film, everything's digital? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I only recently started to discover 35 millimeters, like probably four or five years ago. Uh, I got an Olympus Mu, uh, which is pretty good uh, automatic camera, and it uses 35 millimeters. So I do both now. I do film and uh, digital. Which but one do you? Which digital. one do you, do you? Which one actually do you prefer? Or does it matter? <laughs> do you have any preference toward like film or digital, or does it kind of depend on what you're trying to do? Yeah, I like both. It it really depends uh, because uh, uh, dig um, film photography for sure has a a feel into it that like can be found with digital photography. So I really like it. But after, as I don't have my, my own uh, lab, so I have to, yeah. to go pay to get my film developed. So 
it adds yeah. uh, fees and so of course i prefer digital because it's uh, it's easier i can take as many photos as i want it costs nothing and like i can always uh, delete or i can always save photos and uh, come back three years later to rework them and like manipulate them in a different way so yeah i prefer digital yeah it's interesting because i'm in my 50s and i remember when i i I, you know when i was going to college the photography students had to like learn how to use labs you know as part of what they were doing because that was kind of part of the art um was was learning how to actually potentially you know have your own lab <laughs> yeah. or be be able to like do the manipulation or the you know the artistic uh interpretation of the photo through how you use the lab but now because of the laptops all that photo you know post photo uh manipulation or you know you know like like what musicians do with digital audio workstations you guys do with you know photoshop and other tools yeah, wow. exactly. Now we go to school to learn how to work with Photoshop and Lightroom. Yeah, yeah so I, I, do, you, do you have to take classes? Well, I guess you're not doing the lab work, but I guess if you ever decided you wanted to get really deep into that, you'd have to like understand how that lab work is being done, I guess, um, if, if you wanted to go that way. That's kind of like what people get, musicians get analog recording gear. And then they have to learn like recording engineer techniques. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. So you started when you were like 15 uh, and then you, you've got your first cameras. You're using an Apple. Now you moved into some like more professional digital cameras. What type of um, photo manipulation software do you use for like post-processing? So uh, I never went to school, so I never learned how to use Photoshop or any of these applications. So I just uh, downloaded Lightroom, and I found it actually pretty easy to to use without like going to school or like if I had any questions, I was just uh, googling it. And so yeah, I'm only using Lightroom. I never use uh, Photoshop. And for what I'm doing, I don't really need other than uh, Lightroom because I'm only manipulating like. Uh, the lights, the contrast, the colors. So I don't really need like all the complicated things of Photoshop. So your style of um, photography, what what would you call like um, the type of genre of photography that you're in? What's the the artistic like genre of photography that you like to work in? Uh, I don't really know if it has a name. Like, like I said, first uh, I was doing like uh, street photography, and then I started to do portraits when I when I had my first friends. So I was photographing them, and our days I'm doing what I will call uh, I don't know dark photography. It's or minimalistic photography. It's usually like a subject. Yeah with mainly black or white background. I really like black and white. I'm mostly doing black and white. And uh, yeah, I would say dark photography, like I do portraits, architecture, but yeah, other than that, I'm not sure how to call it. Yeah, yeah, I see. it seems like some of your stuff has got this kind of noir, like a film noir, the black and white stuff has got this kind of like noir, kind of gothic low, you know, in terms of music, I can relate to it in terms of like film noir or like gothic or 
Yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of music, I would say, uh, yeah, I really love music. I'm very passionate by it. So it's easier for me to actually call my photography in terms of music, like you say. So I would say punk, uh, gothic, uh, new wave, underground. Yeah, I feel some new romantic vibe, like kind of like if you think about like Joy Division, New Order, Depeche Mode. I get that kind of feel. Okay, I was looking at like um, some of your delicate situations on your site, um, and I, I really like. There's a really interesting kind of purple like um, color to like power lines, and you've got some power lines, and it's got this really unique like shadow and light. I like the shadows and the contrast of the shadows and and all the wires. How did you come about? I think. Do you know what what's photo i'm talking about uh, are you talking uh, about the photo um with a woman and the scarf and mountains behind no no it's like a, it's just it's just utility um, lines like power oh, lines i see yeah it's, so yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was a place that i uh, i found uh, in california next to ventura and I'm not sure what exactly it is, but it's one of those forbidden places where you can't really go. And that's mm-hmm. what I really like, like desert places, abandoned buildings. And uh, when I saw it, it just really inspired me. And uh, first I started to work on it in like black and white, like uh, always. And then I figured that uh, like it needs some color to it. And this purple, I really like it. So I guess it just, it just yeah. happened. <laughs> Being a new wave, like I'm a synthesizer player, I I, I use Moogs and stuff. I that that feels like a good cover to an album. <laughs> exactly, and this is actually like one of my uh, dreams is to to be doing uh, al- albums covers for yeah. Best I Love. Yeah, I really like that for an album cover. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That, that that would actually fit some of the music I'm doing. Um, so that that I can see that in that work. And a lot of your your photography really does fit within, you know, like, like at least like the type of music I do, electronic, new wave, new romantic, progressive, electronic. Like you have a, a lot of really good ideas. I was looking at this one next one on your delicate situations. You have a, a, a man in the middle with his hands over his eyes and then these kind of um, like shadowy figures that don't look quite human. Yeah. Uh, do you have names for some of your pieces? Do you do you actually name your pieces, or you just? Um, like I was saying, I really like to come back to a photo years uh, later, because I just I tell myself, okay, now I'm working in a different style, so might as well use this old photo to alter it in, in a different way. And I feel like uh, photo never dies. Like uh, I can print it, paint on it, and scan it again, and come back to it uh, a year later. And it's really difficult to name it because it depends on the moment when when I'm working on it, mm-hmm. and uh, when when it comes to an art show, when I actually have to print the photo and name it and frame it, then mm-hmm. the name comes. But uh, it actually happened to me to have several names for one piece depending oh. on the moment and on the way I printed it, on the way I presented it, on the context. So, yeah, I, ha- I have uh, names for certain photos, but it's not something I- I'm really happy about. Like, I-, I like naming photos, but I don't like to keep names because, because things like, are changing. Like, 
Yeah, you might like some musicians. We have like big catalogs of reference loops or you know recordings, and you know until we turn it into a specific song, it's just sitting there in our kind of archive of all the sounds we have. So I can understand. Like I've got like you know hours and hours of like audio, and I might pull from it to create a song. And then once I create that song, I might give it a name because like in songwriting you kind of have to. But yeah, the source material kind of just sitting there, um, so I can understand the idea of like you you can reuse some of your ideas and musicians yeah. do that as well. Um, yeah, so I would get back into some of your your background. Um, so you realized like like at age 15 that, that photography was a way to express yourself as an artist. Um, so when you do photography, I, 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 do you do like um, other types of illustration as an artist on top of your photography? There's other, are there other art forms? I think I was reading that you um, have done some sculpture and, and some other types of art. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm doing also painting and uh, drawings. I mostly use like uh, Chinese ink or gesso because it's pretty dark and it's usually black colors. And uh, yeah, I'm doing uh, kind of, I don't really post that much of my paintings, but they're mostly like kind of monster figures, kind mm -hmm. of dark and spooky and... Uh, what do you work with like oils or watercolors or like graphics or like um like sequential or what type of medium do you use when you do painting oh uh, i use uh, paper and canvas and as a paint i use uh, chinese ink or indian ink and uh, i also use like uh, black acrylic or black gesso okay and uh, i tried oils a couple of times but i don't think that it's really for yeah. me maybe it's not, not yet yeah when my daughter's a graphic artist. She's a sequential graphic artist. She's more line art or like what would people would know as like comic art or that type of art. So she's I see. like pencil and ink. Um, so I'm familiar with a little bit of that, but <laughs> from, from her work. But um, so you, you, you're in, Bel you're in France, but you're from Belarus, right? Yeah. And so you say you kind of go between California because of your, your, your boyfriend, and in France, have you been able to go back and forth lately because of Corona or are you just staying? No, no, now because of Corona and also I had a few troubles with my French paperwork. So I'm pretty much stuck in France since uh, since like a year now. Mm. And I don't know where it's all going because uh, it's difficult now to work on my papers because everything is like uh, slowly yeah. moving here. But yeah, everything's also, slow, right? Even if it was fine, I don't imagine I can go to United States now with Corona. So we are just like being passionate about it and seeing what's next. Yeah, so that's hard. Like, yeah, my wife's from Barbados, and uh, we, we had her mother. We were going to have her visit, and now because of the way Corona is, we can't get her to visit. So I, I yeah, everything's hard to do. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. hard. Um, yeah, so you you really are kind of self-taught, right? Because you, with the schools you went to you, in your bio, you say they didn't really have anything to do with with your art, but you kind of found your art outside of your, your studies, right? Yeah, I, I guess it has something to do because, uh, of course, it, like, made me who I am now, like, studying philosophy. Uh, it, it had a, an input into my art and uh, the way I'm seeing things and... Uh, 
I found that uh, ever since I finished my studies at Sorbonne, uh, now describing a photograph, for example, when it's a show or a competition or something, became way easier because now like uh, I operate better with words and like I can go deeper into explanations and uh, it definitely helped. And so yeah. you you also went to a theater conservatory. So did the theater work help with the visuals in terms of like yeah, out yeah. how you want to map out a project? Because a lot of the things in theater, it's all kind of like figuring out like how it's going to flow on stage. So I, I would think that music tends to use theater too. A lot of times we'll visually think about something that might be more cinematic and then translate it into music. So I would think you can take like cinematic concepts or theater concepts and put them into photography as well. Because it's really aligned, you know, if you're working out <laughs> some kind of, um, you know, overall sketch of what you're trying to do. They, sometimes people do what they call them. Um, and when they're planning out movies, they, they have the actual, uh, like artists will draw out like, like in, in like panels like what is actually going to happen so does that did that type of theater background help with your art well uh theater helped me to write because uh, like i'm also doing videography so it of course helped me with that also uh learning how to act uh, is uh, is helping me to see how uh, how to talk to my models when i'm doing photography or videos but it, it also it's pretty funny because my teacher used to tell me like uh, okay Daria you you are doing right now what you would do in your in your atelier but you're on stage now so let's learn how to act because mm -hmm. I would always for any representations I would bring some sort of uh, cardboard on which I painted or like uh, some installations that I would do and I would always integrate them in my. Uh, in my shows and yeah, he used to say it's really beautiful but let's learn how to act that's why you're here <laughs> well it's always it, i think it's cool like i think i was trying to get to the word storyboard that like in in theater and some um in movies especially in tv and like videos storyboarding is a big part of like being able to you know relate uh, like what it's going to be so I yeah. think being able to have that kind of skill set helps i think yeah uh, when you when you're when you're doing your work yeah so and you, 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 yeah go ahead uh, also my work helped me in theater because it would never be a problem for me to like build a mask or find a costume for a play or like do a, a poster for example for a show and things like that it was like it was always a, a dialogue between my work and uh, and what i'm learning to do in theater school I was looking on the YouTube link you sent, and it, you have like music videos. Are those for for bands or band pro music projects that you're working on? Are those integrated with music, or are they for other artists? Uh, so I did a couple uh, music videos for other bands, uh, yeah. and I think it's good for me because I'm kind of learning, uh, continuing to learn how to make a video. Uh, and uh, I, I, if it's music that I like, uh, it's definitely pleasant for me. But most of my videos are for my music because there is just not enough bands around me that mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that 
uh, are my friends for me to make a video for their music. So it kind of my passion for video just pushed me to make my own music. Oh, wow. So a lot of times we, we, we do talk about, you know, this show primarily interviews musicians. So I'll kind of seg into that from your, your uh, revelation there. Um, so when you record music, what instruments do you use? Do you use like um, the primary method today? A lot of people use digital audio workstations or do, do you have like hardware instruments? How do you record your music? So it's all pretty raw and uh, in a, it's at the level of a garage band. Okay. So I, I basically don't really know how to use any other applications. And uh, I, I, I never started to learn. I'm just kind of fine at the level I am. But yeah. uh, I never use like uh, digital instruments. I have a, a piano, accordion, guitar, harmonica. I, so you I record acoustic instruments yeah. and then you um, put them into garage band and then compose with that. Exactly. But also a lot of times it's uh, my project, the name of it is One Famous Hall. So it's kind of an inclusive project for project for all my friends. And at the beginning, it all started because I was like just pulling out my phone and starting to record when we were like just hanging out all together. And someone will start to play guitar. Someone will sing. I will record that. And I will come back home. And I will be like, okay, what else does it need? I will do a little harmonica. Then I will mix it a little bit. Then I will be like, okay, what video do I make? And then there is a, there is a video. There is a song. But who is behind it is, like, really difficult to understand. Because it might have been some noises of the series that one day uh, my friend recorded and sent it to me. Then it might be like me recording a friend of mine playing guitars and me a uh, year later singing on top of it. And that's how a song uh, is uh, like happening to be. Well, I think that's a great process because if you think about it, like in the history of music, a lot of progressive bands, you know, they, they, they have like all kinds of ways of recording. You know, they used to go like, yes, was famous for doing field recordings. They would go out into a forest with a tape recorder and tape the force, you know? Okay. And then, and then you had, you know, they would go and use like tape loops. They would go and pull, like have people just speaking, like bands like Pink Floyd would go and get audio tapes of people just reciting lines and then inserting that into their work. So I think in the history of like electronic music, there's a lot of experimentation that is very consistent with what you're doing. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's certain types of genres are, are very experimental and it's 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 cool to actually, I I love to to see how people who may not be a traditional musician find ways or producer. I think that's where it's really interesting in music where people do things that are not as um, you know standard. I think that you know when people go and take art and kind of look at it as an artist and not just yeah. a musician, you yeah, kind of cr exactly. cross genre. You know, you're taking photography and your, your, your love of that art and kind of mixing things together. And I, th I think that actually creates very, very interesting results. And I, I, I yeah. do appreciate the music I've, I've, I've watched on your YouTube. It's very good. Um, oh, thank you. In this regards, I'm pretty inspired by the artist Daniel Johnston because that's what he was doing. He would just record himself tokens and his mother tokens and all this on tape recorders and he will play songs and he will uh, draw himself the album cover. I find it pretty cool. 
Yeah, Pink Floyd was famous for doing that. You know, like on the on um, I Wish You Were Here, and they did it on uh, a bunch of other types of recordings. And you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a big purveyor of uh, I use a lot of analog equipment that I have to kind of record with hardware recorders rather than digital stuff. So I'm using like they're they're, they're similar to acoustic instruments because they're not digital. So you have to kind of you know I capture them in a way that you would capture an acoustic guitar or a saxophone. Uh, you have to kind of directly record them. So I, yeah, I, I like I like the idea that you're you're taking all these different inputs and creating its art. It's uh, yeah. really interesting. So you who are, who who would be your other influences? Like if you someone was um, trying to um, relate your music and understand um, like what what genre or what other uh, musicians you just mentioned were you inspired by, or you can kind of pick up reference points in your music. Um, in my music, I, I feel like it will be uh, offensive to these musicians to say that they're my references in my music, but uh, I really love uh, Bauhaus and Joy Division. Yeah. Uh, I really like uh, modern uh, Russian and Russian pa- uh, post-punk bands like uh, Motorama, Malchad Dama, Super Best. And uh, I really like Oh, everything that is like uh, dark wave, Susie and the Bunch is the cure, of course. I adore, and uh, uh, well, the list can be really long, but uh, someone that comes on my mind is uh, David Lynch because he's making music our days, and it's it's yeah. pretty weird what he's doing, but I really love it, and uh, it's pretty noisy and odd like you don't really understand what's going on sometimes there is no even lyrics but just some sort of weird sound and what i love uh, in his personality is that he he's doing also like and photography and the videography and uh, the sculpture and the painting and also music and so his music makes him like how to say not only a musician like you mentioned before but also an artist and we can hear it and feel it in his music so yeah. it would be yeah. a big reference too yeah joy division is a big big influence on me as well i mean i i i Bauhaus, being an electronic musician like i i like the the kind of gothic new romantic sound they had because it's like the late 70s and it's like post-punk it still has a punk aesthetic but then it has this kind of new romantic gothic vibe that you end up hearing, you know, in the, in the cure later in Depeche Mode and even in New Order, uh, which they became that 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 kind of vibe. And I can I can I can kind of see your photography represents that musical vibe. I can I can see it. I can hear it because I'm, I'm a big fan oh, of that stuff. In the first totally, place. totally. Sometimes um, people ask me if I'm inspired by a certain photographer. And it's like, I can't really say because I'm inspire, inspired by certain musicians, but not really by other photographers. It's like, I feel like there is a strong, uh, uh, how to say, relation between the music I love and my, my photography. It's interesting. I was watching a documentary on George Martin, who's the producer of the Beatles, right? And, and when they asked him about like the, the whole kind of sound that he had for the Beatles, he said, well, you know what, I could have just took the Beatles and recorded them the way they were recording in Berlin, but that would be like a Xerox of their sound. What I decided to do is think about it as like Monet or Renoir. I think about it like an expressionist painting 
And when you're a producer, a music producer, what your job is to, is to kind of interpret what is real and then create like a sound painting. And like, yeah. every every great producer actually takes the sound that you get in reality and molds it to become like this non-reality that is in that is a sound painting. And Hendrix used to talk about that as well. So yeah, this idea that sound can be visual kind of has its roots in the sixties, which was like Hendrix and and Warhol and and George Martin had these ideas that kind of created that the form of pop music that we still have today. The idea that it's like you can in, interpret the sounds and make them visual. In, yeah. In terms of how, yeah. So I get that. And what is interesting is I noticed too is that all the bands I really like that their visuals are actually pretty good too because somehow they just uh, met the right person to do all their visuals. And like it's interesting, just like for example, uh, Depeche Mode. Uh, the person who does all their like videos and everything is uh, Anton Corbain, which I really like, and he's the one who did control the movie on uh, the life of young Curtis and Joy Division. Yeah. And I just told myself like how interesting it is that like it's music that I really like, but their visuals are never wrong. Like it's always really good. Yeah, it seems like they found that kind of linkage during that time period between you know the visual artist uh, and the musicians kind of like were tied together it kind of goes back to the Warhol factory you know in the Velvet Underground yeah yeah exactly was the idea like Warhol was in tune with uh, what Lou Reed was doing and then suddenly they had this this synergy between the Velvet Underground and Warhol's work and it just became this like oh wow that's it's cool if you can do that so I think a lot of these bands they, they were inspired by like what Warhol and Lou Reed did with the Velvets. And I think they tended to look for artists that fit their, you know, mm-hmm. their, 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 their sonic visuals. Like I think all these bands had a kind of idea of what their sound painting was. And then they kind of drew, either drew artists that were drawn to their sound and then kind of represented it in a good way. And it seems like that, that kind of synergy happens it's interesting. I actually met an artist named Turnabello that did w- one of my projects and he had this kind of synergy with what I was doing. And he had this MC Escher kind of black and white MC Escher kind of psychedelic thing going on. And we were mm-hmm. kind of in sync. And when we put that, he worked on my album cover from like 2017 and the visuals all kind of tied together with the music because he's like, he really listened and it represented like what was going on. And, and he, when you have that kind of synergy with an artist, it's really cool. So I yeah, it's very neat. That, yeah, that that's what happened with Joy Division and Depeche Mode and all those bands. I think that's what happened. But yeah. Uh, so so, do you, have you done like um, gallery shows with your work, or has everything been online, or have you had physical gallery shows? Yeah, well, uh, at the beginning when I was just starring, my shows were happening at the cafes uh, and bars, restaurants in uh, Paris. And then when I met my boyfriend, who is from California, like we mentioned, and he has a gallery in uh, Santa Barbara. And so that was my like first uh, real gallery show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so ever since I did a couple of shows uh, with him or alone, but at the same gallery. And then uh, I met people who have uh, 
galleries too. And so I was uh, a part of a group show once and, and uh, in one month I have uh, my own show, show here in South of France where I live now. Oh, wow. Yeah, we have, you have a link for that, we can include that on the podcast if you've already got like the, the like a link for it so we can, you know, put it on the podcast. Yeah, later. sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. in French, but yeah. Yeah, it's fine. This goes worldwide. So the people who see it, who, who, who view this and all over the world that know French will be able to get to it. <laughs> Great. Um, so, and we can always just say in English what the link is. And then people who know, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So have you, is this all going to be, is this going to be a physical show or like a virtual show given what's going on with Corona? Oh, a physical actually, show. Physical, oh, wow. So you guys are able to do physical shows in France now? Because like not, in the U.S., some places were still kind of locked down. Yeah, not yet. Right now, all the museums and all the galleries and uh, cinema theaters and uh, theaters, everything is closed, music venues too, unfortunately. But uh, apparently, uh, starting in September, everything will be open again, like uh, uh, art galleries and uh, museums will open. But we are not sure yet because right now the situation with Corona in France is... Uh, uh, it's pretty bad, so I don't know if things are going to change. Or... Yeah, let's push back again. Yeah, yeah, that's the big problem. So, is there an alternative to do something online? Does the gallery have an option to actually put it online, or is it only? Yeah, this place where I'm doing my show in September, they have already posted uh, my photos online uh, during the um, the French lockdown. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the show is visible online too. Yeah, because my daughter's part of like an art collective called like Artivism. And they've been doing all, all their shows were supposed to be like in Boston. Because we're like near Boston. I'm in the Northeast, New Hampshire. It's close to Boston. And um, like every show she was supposed to have this year has been postponed. But everything started switching to online. And they actually did like a full like online through like Zoom. They did like a Zoom meeting and had all the artists on talk about their work for like two and a half hours and then each person had their their art up and then they got to speak to it and it was pretty cool to actually see that carried off is there anything like that thought of it that you might be working on in the next couple of months has anybody like proposed something like that to you oh not really right now because as i say normally everything should come back to normal in september but for example, in October, I'm invited to talk as a photographer, as a professional photographer, to people who are, to amateurs who are going to be showing their work. And uh, if ever it's not happening, I imagine that we are going to do it probably like your daughter in Zoom too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was cool. yeah, I think you guys in Europe have this had you know done a better job than we have <laughs> with Corona. Um, yeah, a little. Yeah, it's still pretty bad, but it's a little bit better than in the US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've got some issues because, <laughs> like, we we can't even get anything on the schedule till like twenty twenty one. Yeah, but um, so so it's interesting. Have you you look like you've collaborated with you know musicians with other types of artists do you have um examples of other types of collaborations that you've done that maybe you could speak to i know oh. you have them on your youtube channel but is there other like collaborations you've done with like other artists that you're working on or have worked on well the most recent one is uh 
with a band named Cobra. And uh, I just ran into them on Instagram. I don't know, they, they might have like just been on a hashtag I was looking at or something. And I listened to their music and I found it really good. And they didn't have like a video or it was like some sort of visuals, like repetitive, uh, but not a video. And so I contacted and, and no, no singing too. And so I contacted them to ask if they will be up to collaborate. And they say, yeah, sure, we can send you this piece of music you like and you can do like you can try to do something with it. And uh, I really felt for this music, uh, like I really loved it. It's the last video I have on my Instagram. And so I, uh, I wrote the lyrics, I sang on top of it, and uh, then I made a video for it. It's a video where I did a juxtaposition of me walking away with an old uh, uh, footage I had of a train. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I viewed that. It's really good. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I really loved it. And apparently they liked it too. So it was pretty funny because it was really fast. Like I, I just saw it and I was like, oh, guys, I like your work. And they're like, okay, do whatever you want. Do you think you're going to do more with them, with Cobra? Uh, yeah, they, they gave me two, two songs actually. And uh, I only worked on one of them. So yeah, I, I think potentially I will be working on the second one as well. And then we will see. It depends also how they feel about the second one for right now. They like what I did, but we will see. So like just the question that that really took off, would you actually, you know, get, get with them and actually join the band and do like a joint performance? Um, uh, I don't think so because we didn't really like, we didn't talk about it at all because I'm in France or in Mexico and, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that would be hard to do. <laughs> I don't know if they're actually searching for a singer or if they're planning on just staying like uh, instrumental, but uh, I would definitely love it to happen. I just don't know how possible it is, especially now. Yeah, you never know. Like sometimes the things are kind of based on if something really blows up in terms of it gets really, really big, then then that opportunity becomes like it just kind of happens because something really people really tune in on something and then if that that chemistry really works then it can happen but you never know but kind of corona makes things like that harder that where before that might be easier to do um but with corona there's all these limitations so that that type of collaboration might be limited to yeah exactly do the video but the video work collaboration is still you know vital it's cool i would like to see like i like i did like that video and it would be cool to see like what the next song you know comes out to be i think it's pretty yeah <laughs> we will see but yeah if for example i was in california right now it would be a little bit easy if there were no corona and i was in california and maybe eventually we would talk about probably seeing each other and trying something yeah, out yeah. but yeah it's like once but we, we never yeah. know yeah once if we can get a vaccine that works then everything will will start to normalize but they're saying that could take like two years yeah <laughs> yeah it looks you know, pretty bad right now yeah something that's safe you know whether or not the first ones that come out we're kind of worried in the u.s that they just kind of push they'll just put anything out and we're like uh i don't know about that <laughs> yeah so we're like okay well i don't want to be a guinea pig um <laughs> um 
So yeah, there's a lot of things going on. So we, I see that on your on your um, Instagram, you are doing a fundraiser. Do you want to talk about the fundraiser you're doing for your for your country? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so it's a fundraiser to help uh, the victims of uh, police uh, violence in Belarus, my homeland, because yeah. uh, so we have this uh, dictator there since 26 years. And he just keeps uh, electing himself on his own, you know, like people definitely didn't vote for him because we had an alternative uh, vote uh, platform uh, built by uh, Hannes People Initiative where people could say for whom they vote. And, uh, and so he didn't get like even 20% of votes where while he said that he got 80 yeah. And uh, people just can't stand it anymore because it's just no longer possible. And uh, so they, they got on the streets. And first thing, it was the uh, army and police started to to just uh, arrest them and beat up like uh, one person, like 10 policemen will beat up one person with sticks and then uh, put them into a, a tiny little room, like 100 people in this room for two days with no food, with no water. People were like uh, really just uh, passing out. A lot of people actually died because uh, because of this horrible violence. Like women were raped by policemen. It's really, really horrible, really. And uh, yeah, like if people can donate because it will, all this money will go to help the victims and uh, to help people who, because uh, actually we have like 80 people who just disappeared. No one knows where they are. So people need uh, lawyers and uh, all sorts of help. Plus, people who are on strikes right now, as they're not working, they need money too. So that's what it is for. Well, I'm a, I understand that because of like different type of movements going on in the U.S. You know, we have the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, of course, I think that we have some kind of we have an understanding that that this type of uh, police violence is not acceptable anywhere it happens, and the kind of disappeared kind of thing mm-hmm. reminds me like Pinochet and what was going on in Chile. So. Yeah, I'm a, I've always been a big activist. I was in Amnesty International in college, and I do like to support causes that I think are just. So what you're doing here is very just for Belarus. So we're going to include that link on the podcast. And we're doing a blog article on our GoDaddy site as well. So we'll actually have a link to there. But our physical podcast actually has the ability to support links. So it will have this link on it, and we'll describe what it is. Great. So, thank you. We'd like to help you with that because we think that social justice is important. We know some people only want to talk about art, but art has an intersection with reality. And sometimes reality is politics and sometimes it's like issues. So it's not a big, big issue to me to, to support that. Um, yeah, so- I guess like even people who don't really care about what's going on around, it still affects them. They just uh, don't assume it. It's like it's impossible to be not uh, political or whatever people say. It's like what is going on in our world, it affects everyone. And it affects you even more when it's your own can- country, not because it doesn't matter what's going on elsewhere. It's just because it's it's there. It's your people. But I, I don't imagine that it's possible in any way, especially for artists. To not to be affected by by what is going on, and what is going on is necessarily dependent on politics. So, yeah, that's interesting. Cause my just to go off on a little side note, my daughter was um was work work in this art collective that's called Artivism. So they're about art and activism. So they call themselves Artivism. 
Okay. And, and um, there were some galleries. And in the U.S., you have like, these fine art galleries that sometimes have these mission statements. So there was this fine art gallery that had this mission statement saying that they don't like political art, that they only support beautiful art, which they don't consider political. And so a lot of my daughter's like artists in the artivism were like, that's offensive. Because how can you say that the only art that's beautiful is non-political art? That all you want to see are oil paintings and pastoral things. You don't want to see anything that has to do with reality. And how can you kind of be judgmental and say that that type of art, by your definition and your, your mission statement, is not beautiful? Which I thought was, and so they they ended up like trying to like boycott this gallery, <laughs> but um, yeah, we just thought that, you know it's just interesting because like when people make this statements, they sometimes they don't think about what they're saying, or maybe they think about it and they're actually trying to like put down other types of art. But it just seems interesting that people would try to do that. Um, uh, we you know in our country we have a lot of political things going on where there's camps that try to identify what they think is good and what they think is not good. And it's, it's getting a little uh, crazy that way. But yeah, I think anytime artists, you know, you make a decision, like if you don't make a decision, that's still a decision. And so like, if you just choose to not support something, you're still being political. You're just choosing to be like maybe apathetic. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, it's interesting how, how people do that. But um yeah, we're happy that you're on the program. We like, we really appreciate your art. We're, we're always trying to interview people that intersect with all types of artistic capabilities. We've talked to actors, we've talked to you know musicians, uh, painters, photographers. So yeah, we're glad that you came on the program. This is going to go out on our network of eleven podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're actually part of Spotify. Anchor FM is a Spotify company. So there'll be a Spotify version of this podcast, an Apple podcast version, and a Google Play version. We'll send you the Apple and Spotify links as, long, as well as the Anchor FM link. And on our Instagram, there is an integration between this podcast and Spotify. So we will create a highlight that will go right to the Spotify version of this podcast on our Instagram channel as a story. And you can share that if you want to. We'll send you the links. And okay. um, yeah, we're happy they're on the program and we're going to help, uh, you know, push, push your art. Cause that's what we like to do is give, give artists a chance to have a place to um, talk and, and yeah. push them. Thank you very much. I, I'm happy to be here too. Okay, thank you for being on the program. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay,